Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Okay, everyone, we need to talk. We need to talk. We, we have to have a talk. We, we do. And I know, I know, I know, do you remember when you were a kid and your parents said, hey, we need to have a talk? Or maybe you had a girlfriend and she's like, we need to talk. And you're like, uh, or your wife says, hey, we need to talk. Or you can reverse it, your husband or your boyfriend. Sometimes when people, or your boss, when you hear, we need to talk. It's usually going to be extremely uncomfortable, sometimes very unpleasant, and sometimes extremely painful. But we need to talk this morning. We, we need to talk. And I know you're busy. I know you've got a lot of things to do. And I know you probably don't want to hear me talk to you, but we need to talk. We need to talk. Are, are you willing? Are you willing, to, are you willing to at least hear me out? Are, are you willing to at least give me a few minutes of your time? I hope so. Good morning, everyone. I'm coming to you live from Abilene, Texas on this Saturday, June the 25th, 2022 at 9.29 a.m. Central Time. Now, my voice is not yet woken up. You you can hear, hear that a little bit, but that's okay. That's okay. That's okay. Because I felt like I... I I, I've got to get upstairs. I've got to. I've got to. You know, hit the big red go live button. We've got to talk. Even even if I'm not fully awake yet. Even if my voice is like, you no, know, I need a couple of more hours. I'm like, I'm sorry. We've got. I've got to talk. They've got to listen. And this is the only voice I have. So we are going to do that. All right. So are you ready? On this June the twenty fifth, twenty twenty two. Now you know that the big story that's everywhere is obviously the Supreme Court's decision on overturning Roe v. Wade and sending it back to the states to make their own decisions on what to do with abortion. And you know that people are upset, that, that their emotions, let me say it this way, their emotions are strong on every side. On one side, the emotions of celebration and rejoicing and, and, and may a little bit, and, and you could say rejoicing, celebrating, maybe even trying to kind of rub it in other people's faces. But you have strong emotions on the side that, yes, Roe v. Wade is gone. This is amazing. This is great. And they're rejoicing. They're celebrating, maybe doing a little bit of bragging, maybe trying to rub it in other people's faces. But they're out there. They're emotional. They're, they're loud, they're proud, and you're hearing it. On the other side, you have people who, who seem to be, I mean, their emotions are great as well. Anger, frustration, depression, panic, thinking this marks the end of everything. The most, they're describing things in the most disastrous ways, the most ominous words that they can come up with, that, that this is the beginning of the end. We're going to lose all of our rights and they're coming for everything. And that, you know, the, we, we just stepped back, you know, 500 years into history. And so every side, they're saying lots of things, lots of words are being used. And these words, in many cases, are reflecting, I will say, emotion, maybe more than fact. They're reflecting an emotional response, not one, maybe a thoughtful or factual or logical response. So yesterday, I turned on the microphone and talked a little bit about the decision of the Supreme Court. And let me just say, not everyone was happy with what I had to say, because I tried to have a more balanced approach, I thought. And some people were mad that you should be celebrating. And other people were, other people were like, you're celebrating too much. And other people were like, you're an idiot. And, and so everyone was a little bit upset. But we still need to talk. We have to talk. Because here's what happens. I don't know if you're aware of this, but so many times we have a tendency to open our mouth and say things that maybe we haven't really thought out completely, right? I've been guilty of it. You've heard me be guilty of it right here uh, behind this microphone. I may say something and then go, well, I should have probably said that a little differently. I probably should have thought that out a little bit better. I, I, I you know, Maybe, okay, I'll do a part two, I'll do a part three, I'll do, I'll do everything I can to try to fix it. But we've all been there. You've been, 
you know, you just, you just throw out some comment, you throw out some, some thought and you haven't really given a lot of time. And in 2022, where everyone has the access to social media, they immediately like just start boom, 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 throw it out there, boom, 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 throw it out there. And in some cases, I'm just like, what did you, did you not think about this? Did you not, did you not give this any kind of thought? But I, it, it hasn't. So here's what I want to do. I am not here today, this morning, to talk to the people who are not a part of Christianity. They reject Christianity. They they hate Christianity. They are you know uh, pro abortion, and they're upset today. I'm not. I'm not talking about the crazy things that they are saying. I'm not here to go through the things that they may be saying that are extreme, that's crazy, that may not be factual. I'm not here to do that. What I want to talk about this, what I want to talk to this morning are to those of us who profess faith in Jesus Christ, those of us who claim Christianity, because I think it's very important that we consider what we have to say and look at it and go, hmm, I, this could, this could raise some questions. And then am I prepared to deal with the questions that my comments are going to make? Am I, am I really willing to think of the theological implications, the logical implications of what I am saying. And I've just seen a lot of Christians running around saying a lot of things, and I've received either uh, emails or phone call asking me, wait, I, I've seen Christians saying this. What, what, what do they mean by that? What, what, what does that mean? That doesn't make any sense. And then I'm sitting there having to try to answer what Christians are saying on the internet. And I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm like, look, look, here's the thing. People get emotional and they say things and they don't think it through. But yeah, that's ridiculous. Or yeah, that doesn't make any sense. Or no, you raise some very good theological questions. And what is frightening is when you have someone who's not a Christian asking you questions about what Christians are saying and the non-Christian is making, have a better theological, a theological grasp of the implications of what Christians are saying. And I'm like, I look, I you know, I, I don't know what to say. I mean, I, I you can't just, you can't make it. I guess I can try to make excuses. Look, you just don't understand. Many Christians don't see things from a, in fact, I even said this last night on the phone to someone. I said, look, I, here's what you have to understand. Many who profess Christ today no longer see things from a theological point of view. They see things from a political point of view, from a cultural point of view. So what many Christians are saying, it may be mixed with Christianity, but it's more political. It's more cultural. It's not biblical or theological. The, the, so much of the Christian church today is not biblical and theological. It's cultural. It's culture. It's political. And I wish that wasn't the case, but it is. And this situation with Roe v. Wade and the comments being made, a lot of it just shows some crazy, just... I, I, look, I don't, I don't know. I, I, sometimes I just don't know what Christians are, are, are thinking about or doing. But I'll just, I'll just throw out some, uh, some examples. I saw some Christian say, you know, praise God, Satan has been defeated. I'm like, wait. So before, before the Supreme Court made its decision, Satan was running around, everything was great, and then the Supreme Court defeated Satan. So, so Satan is now defeated. So we don't have to worry about Satan anymore. He's completely defeated. What do you mean he's defeated? Do you mean he, he, well, he lost the battle. So he lost about how, how many years did it take for Satan to lose that battle? Like, why did it take Satan so many years to lose the battle? Well, like, like, how did this work? And it just, sometimes you just, what, what, what are you talking about? I, I, I don't understand where you're going. Or now this was, and I received a number of, of, of questions about this. Christians going, today, Christianity became a Christian nation. And I'm like, wait, so we're a Christian nation simply because of, of a rule, a, a, a the, the right to abortion has been overturned. So if we pass certain laws or get rid of certain laws, we become a Christian nation simply by laws we have, by the things we allow or the things we prohibit by law. That, that's what makes us a Christian nation. And so you just want to go, you do realize a Christian nation would be a nation made up of Christians and people don't become Christians by laws imposed upon them. They become Christians through faith in Jesus Christ. <laughs> so you can have you can have 
Every law that you think would make us a Christian nation, it could be like you could pass every law that you think is the most biblical, the most upright, the most godly, that would not make you a Christian nation. That would just make you a nation that's trying to promote so-called Christian morality or enforcing Christian morality through the use of the court system or laws and political office. But that would not make us a Christian nation. The Christian nation would be a nation that is made up of Bible-believing individuals who've placed their faith in Jesus Christ. That would make you a Christian nation. And then those Christians in that nation could, no matter what the law of the land is, it doesn't matter what the law of the land is. The law of the land can be this or that. We, The Christians in the nation would say, okay, the law says this, but I'm following my Bible, and the Bible says that's prohibited. The Bible says that's wrong. So I'm not going to engage in that practice. I'm going to, I'm going to stay away and not do those things, even though the law says I can, because the Bible says that it is wrong. But so even the definition of a Christian nation, it seems in the minds of many people, is just based off whether the country allows abortion or prohibits abortion. I, I guess, and, and I'm like, what, what, what are you saying? And, and there's just, there was just so many crazy things being said. I, I literally could just sit here for an hour going through all the things that I was saying, just looking at going. And again, I know I'm going to get emails. What about the people... Over there, I'm not worried about the people in the world. I'm not worried about what the the, the pro-abortion, the liberals are saying, or who, however you want to define them. I'm worried about what those of us who call ourselves Christians are saying. That's what I want to discuss. And there's one theme that kept emerging over and over and over and over again. This is where I'm going to get myself in trouble. But I'm not trying... I'm, I'm not... I don't want trouble, but I want us to think about this, okay? Because I, there's 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 always theological implications in what we say, and sometimes we throw a comment out. What, what blows my mind is Christians will throw out a comment, and again, it'll be the people in the world going, okay, well, if that's true, what about this, this, and this? And then the Christian doesn't know what to say. I'm like, you're the one who made the theological comment. Now, you've got to deal with the theological implications that arise from that comment. What's your response? And they don't have a response because they've not given it much thought. They just, it, it's just Christians sometimes has, they have a, a savings account of cliches. Okay. And this is, okay. What, what's the situation? Okay. Let me go through, oh, let me go to my savings account. Let, let me go to my, let me go to my folder here. Okay. Okay, cliche number one, cliche. Okay, cliche number three. That's the one I'm going to use today. Let's throw it out there. And we don't even think about what we are saying. But a common, well, let me just read from some different things that I've received and see if you can pick it up. I've got, I've got one that's just explicit, but let's see if you can pick it up in some of these comments, all right? Here's one I received at 1.22 p.m. yesterday. It says, on January the 22nd, 1973, the Supreme Court read into the Constitution the right to murder kids. That right was fictional from the beginning. 18,050 days later, the fruits of that decision are evident. 60 million, 60 million lives lost, generations bereft of talent, millions of graduations and weddings that will never be. We are a society that is poorer and sadder than it was on the Monday morning when that wretched decision was issued. This is the awful fruit of the sexual revolution. This is the awful fruit of that most vile of theories, the theory of evolution. Today's decision overturning Roe v. Wade is first and foremost a work of God, for he is sovereign over all history, good and evil. Now, I do and I am very happy that this person says he is sovereign over good and evil. So this person was much more thoughtful in their approach. But you hear it there. The sovereignty of God. The sovereignty of God in this decision. So, so God's sovereignty. God worked. God acted in a sovereign way to overturn Roe v. Wade. And people are like, glory to God. God is the one who accomplished this. God is the one who did this. He deserves all praise. He deserves all glory. And that sounds good. But you may not understand how that's heard by maybe someone who, who isn't a Christian. They may go, wait, what? Wait. So, so God's the one who did this. Okay. All right. All right. 
So j- just stay, just stay with that. That's one of the comments I received. Um, let's see here. There's another one. Okay. All right. Uh, I don't think anyone says anything here. Let me see. I'm, I'm looking at all the comments or not all of them, just very few of them. Um, Okay. All right. Uh, This person, I I do like this person had a lot of things to say. He goes, so having seen the overturning of Roe v. Wade, I honestly feel conflicted. On the one hand, there will be millions of children having their lives spared. However, the response of the church at large is quite frankly troubling to me. A moment like this, I would thought would bring about some sort of humility and an opportunity to reach out to those who this decision will impact on their lives greatly. But what I see is basically the online equivalent of a riot after the fans of a sports team are celebrating a victory. This wasn't a sigh of relief. This was Christians going around making mean-spirited memes and jokes at the ideo- at, at their ideological opponents. This gleeful gloating does not sit well with me. Instead of considering how the church can... Best serve those who who no longer have the option to abort. We're joking about how we finally own those baby-murdering liberals and dancing on the proverbial grave of Roe v. Wade. I have to apologize to my brothers and sisters in Christ, but I cannot in good faith abide with that attitude. And they say, just some thoughts I wanted to share, thoughts I know that would make me look like some party pooper in the eyes of those celebrating. And I agree, there was a lot of that, just rubbing it in your face and, woo, yeah, look at, we're going to create some memes, yeah, take that, liberals. And it's like, what, what, I, is that the spirit of Christ? I don't know. And so, so, but that one doesn't mention the issue that I want to talk about. The other one does, and talked about the sovereignty of God. So, Here is why I turned on the microphone, because let me go to this. This is what I saw, and it's a very reasonable question. All right, so this is a a, a, a Twitter thread, and someone is like, you know, praise God, you know, God did this, God is sovereign, and taking that approach. And someone 22 hours ago said this, why, question mark, like what? Wait, why? Why are we praising God? Why? What? What's going on here? And then they say this: Was it God who overturned Roe v. Wade? Question mark. So, so they're so they're like, wait a minute. So you're saying it's almost asked in a rhetorical way. So you're saying it was God who overturned Roe v. Wade? That that that's what you're claiming. That's what you're saying, and that's what I've seen Christians say all over the place. And I'm not, I, listen to me, I'm not questioning that. I'm not doubting that. Remember, this podcast is called Theology Central. I'm saying that that's a very, a very theology-centric comment. You're making God central to what happened. And, I, and obviously, I would agree with that. I believe in God's sovereignty. I, I, clearly, I, I believe in God's sovereignty and salvation. I believe in the sovereignty of God. But when you make certain statements about the sovereignty of God, many times Christians never stop to think of the implications that arises from it, the questions that arise from it. We just throw it out there, and then people are like, wait, 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 wait. So you're saying that God was the one who overturned Roe v. Wade. Then the person goes, if that was so, why didn't God prevent Roe v. Wade from happening at all. That. Now, many of the people who respond to this are not happy with the person, and they attack the person. I don't know, the, I don't know if the person is a believer. I don't know if the person, and, mo, and my, from my experience, people who ask those kinds of questions typically aren't the believers. It's the atheist, it's the agnostic. And I'm always like, how can the atheist and the agnostic be more theologically inclined in their thinking than many believers? It drives me crazy, but that's a great question. So, okay, so you're saying God overturned this. So God was like, hey, enough's enough. I'm overturning this. Well, then why didn't he just prevent it from the first place? If God didn't want this, then why did he not overturn? Why did he prevent it? Now that some people would get upset when someone asks a question like that. I don't get, I don't get upset at all when someone asks a question like that. I embrace it. I'm like, wow, that's some good. That's, that's thinking. 
you're, 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 you're wrestling with this concept. And I, and I don't, I'm not going to attack a person. Some people say they're just trying to, they're just trying to be mean or they're just trying. No, it may be. Now look, I, I don't know anyone's motive. You never know anyone's motive. I can't judge motives. But what I can do is like, you know what? That's a very difficult question to answer. And I'm willing to acknowledge the difficulty in it. If God is the one who overturned it and we're like, praise God, praise God, you stepped in and overturned it. Should we have been saying, praise God, you allowed Roe v. Wade to pass in the first place? Was it the same sovereign God who allowed Roe v. Wade in the first place as the same sovereign God who then overturned it? If you're going to say God is the one who overturned it, you have to say he's the one who allowed it. He did not prevent it. He did not stop it. And it took from what, 1970, is that 1973 to 2022? Why did it take that long? Now, now, if I was to say this in, in church, I know we, I'd start seeing people getting co- uncomfortable. They start moving around and then they would get, you can, you could start seeing the look on their face and they would just start blurting out anything. Because they, 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 they were like, calm down, calm down, calm down. There's no need to get defensive. This is the kind of question that should make us stop and go, hmm, are there easy answers here? Now, what some... Uh, uh, yes, he also hardened Pharaoh. Exactly. Yeah, Pharaoh's heart. Yeah, we've, we've, we've talked about that. I think we talked about it in our study in Romans 9. I had everyone in my church look up how many times the text says he hardened Pharaoh's heart. He hardened Pharaoh's heart. He hardened Pharaoh's heart. And you're like, why are you hardening Pharaoh's heart? You can just, you could just, he could have, he could have just said, hey, he could have softened Pharaoh's heart. And Pharaoh's like, you know what? Just go, Israel, just go. No, but there doesn't have to be destruction. There doesn't have to be death. He could have just let them go. Egypt would have been okay. People wouldn't have died. Firstborn children wouldn't have been killed. It would have been, it would have been a whole much, it would have been a, not as a dramatic story, but it would have been one that would have been less deadly and destructive. But that's not how God ordained the situation to work. Now, we believe in the story of Pharaoh and the Exodus that God used the opportunity to attack and destroy the Egyptian deities because all of the plagues were against Egyptian deities. So, so we, we try to offer at least some kind of an explanation to why. But when people ask this question, we don't get defensive. We're just like, I, I, I don't have a good answer. I don't. Look, there is no easy answer. Now, what some people say, free will, free will, free will, free will. Well, if it's free will, right? So, hey, people wanted abortion, so God gave them abortion. Well, then wait a minute. If he overturned Roe v. Wade, what a, did he, now is he not going against free, free will? I mean, like, the free will argument never works very good because there are situations where God overturns someone's free will. So then how does that work? And not only that, well, God is the one giving free will. And if he gives free will, knowing that people are going to use free will to abort babies, well, it, it, it just, it's a never ending circle of difficulties. But when Christians, when you say things, you've got to understand how people who, who, who just don't, they just don't speak your cliches. They don't speak your language. They're going to be the ones going, well, wait a minute. So I want to continue reading this because it, it was really I thought it I thought it was worth my time this morning to discuss. All right, so here we go. So the first thing that I just put why. That's got a, a question, a, a why question mark. Was it God who overturned Roe v. Wade? Question mark. If that was so, why didn't God prevent Roe v. Wade from happening at all? It's these sort of things that show the world that you don't truly believe God is sovereign. In other words, we say Christians make these statements, but it proves that you don't really believe God is sovereign. And what? And I think the claim, I think where they're going is this. You give God praise and credit. He's sovereign. He overturned Roe v. Wade. But you were not giving God praise and credit for, well, Roe v. Wade getting passed in the first place. You're like, if, if your life, if you get hit, 
if you are driving home Friday night from an, an event or Saturday night from an event and you get hit by a drunk driver and everyone in your car is safe and no one is injured, you're like, praise God, God sovereignly protect us. But six blocks down the road, a family gets T-boned by a semi-truck and they all die. Well, wh- where was God? Does God get praise and glory for that? Now, I'm not asking any question that has not been asked for 2,000 years in theological discussions. It's just so many, so many times in the church, the average person throwing these, when you make these comments, you're throwing out like these, these theological concepts that are so vast and so big that I don't even know the, when the average Christian throws out certain comments, they don't even understand the implications are eternal and, and, and like people have been trying to figure them out forever. They're philosophical. They're theological. They're, they're, they're troubling. I, I've often said, and I don't know if it's true. I don't know if it was what happened. But if I, I've often said, if I, if I'm, if I, if, I, if I'm in an accident and, and every, people I know or with me, family die in a car accident, if I would hope that my words would be pray, praise be to God. God giveth, God taketh away. God deserves all praise and credit, no matter if it's good or bad. Now, that first email did say God is sovereign over good and evil. I do, uh, that first email at least acknowledged that. And so, now they didn't bother to say, well, so God God, God did this. Well, why, why, why did we have so many years of him not doing this? If God's the one who did it, this could have been overturned in 74, 75, 76, 77, 78, 79, 80, 81, 82. I mean, we could go year after year. Why didn't he overturn it? Now, some people say, well, because Christians didn't pray enough or because Christians didn't do this enough or because Christians didn't do this enough or because Christians didn't. And then you can try to make all of the arguments for, it. you know, it was your fault. Okay, that... You, you can try to get around it, but if God is the one who sovereignly did it, then God is the one who sovereignly did it, and therefore God is the one who sovereignly allowed it. And I wish that wasn't the case. I, I wish I could understand why God does things that he does. That's why I love the book of Job so much. That make, that, I love it in the sense because it makes absolutely no sense to me. You're like, wait a minute. So God just, hey, Satan, have you ever considered my servant Job? What? Do whatever you want. People die. People suffer. It's okay. And, and Christians don't, it's just weird how Christians read the book of Job, and by the time they get to the end of the book, we'll see. God restored everything. Are you saying he resurrected his dead kids? Because it, children still died. His children still died. So how is the story great? God just sovereignly decided to, hey, and you say, well, he was trying to teach Job a lesson. What? what? Like, that story is so, like, it's so just demonstrates. And Job is never given an answer. Job never understands. God does not give him any explanation, any answer. And that's what I love about the story, because that's how our life works. We're not given answers. We're not giving, I, I, I look, I, I, there are so many things just in my own life Forget history, but in my own life, why why would God allow a Hitler? Why would God allow six million Jews to be exterminated? Why, why would why, a slavery? Why child molestation? Why my own sin? Why now it's still my sin, and I still am responsible. But why? They go on to say, overturning Roe v. Wade is not needed to bring glory to God. Now, that, that's an interesting statement. Right, God deserves glory no matter what. Now, but at the same time, this person is missing the point. If God deserves uh, praise and glory no matter what happens, well, then he deserves glory and praise in the overturning of Roe v. Wade, just like he does in every other situation. Now, no, nobody... Nobody really responded to this. 20 people loved it. Two people retweeted it. And only one person tried to answer. And all they said was, no one said it was. Why are you being contrary? 
right? And it, and all they did was focused on that last sentence. Overturning Roe v. Wade is not needed to bring a glory to God. Well, no one said it was. They're, they don't even engage in the rest of it because they don't know what to do. And this, this uh, Twitter discussion occurs uh, under... A, a very popular preacher, and the popular preacher didn't even step in to go, uh, well, hmm. The popular preacher just ignored it, <laughs> okay? Nobody wanted to touch it with a 10-foot pole. Everyone wanted to, I, I'm just, I, I'm staying away. Now, the people who loved it were probably people who may not even be believers going, yeah, 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 yeah. Where where was your, so how does this work with your God? And 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 that, it's okay for them to ask that question. So this person comes back. And says this, all right, here we go. And listen to what they say. The same person says, I didn't hear even a whisper of glory to God when Biden became president. Mm. No, I heard a bunch of Christians were like, the election was stolen. Oh, wait, wait, so the sovereign God allowed the election to be stolen? So was, and now with the January 6th committee, we know that even the people in the Trump administration knew that it wasn't stolen and that they, they fabricated a lie. But that's a whole different subject. The point was, is, that's a good point. Why were we like, well, praise God. God be praised. God gets the glory. He sovereignly has placed Biden as president. No, no, no. It was like, this is the end of the world. Sackcloth and ashes. We're all going to die. It's the end. What, what God sovereignly placed him there, right? Yes? No? And then this person really kind of hits close to home. Now they go right to, well, they're going right after the Southern Baptist here, all right? So I didn't hear even a whisper of glory to God when the Biden, when Biden became president or when Vadi, Vodi, and Askel lost the elections. In other words, those two individuals who are more conservative tried to become Southern Baptist Convention presidents lost the election. Well, where was like, praise God. No, it was like, liberals are going to take over the Southern Baptist Convention. We're all going to, it's, well, wait a minute. How, How do we work this? So then the person asked, so why the differing reactions? Because they don't Truly believe God is sovereign. They, they don't truly believe God is sovereign. Now, again, the famous pastor, this is his Twitter account. He doesn't even jump in. Now, I know I sometimes one of the things on Twitter that drives me crazy is you'll have some, you know, kind of a so-called famous pastor just throw out some comment and then they never they never interact they never I don't I don't understand what the point is throw out a comment and then just let everyone underneath yell and fight and argue nobody ever comes to a different conclusion and then you never interact with it if you're going to throw out the comment and you're going to be on social media to me then you would be interacting with the people about it just you just throw out the comment and then let the 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 rest of the thread just become it just like a school schoolyard fight. It just, I don't understand what, how it's edifying, glorifying ministry. You're not ministering to anybody. Throw out a hot take, let everyone fight underneath it. And you just walk away and you go home and you're having a bag of Doritos and a Dr. Pepper. It's like, I don't get it. If you're going to throw it out there, then engage, 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 because this is, or, and if you can't engage on Twitter, then we'll turn on a microphone, record a, a response. And post it. I, I, I just, I'll never understand so much social media. Doesn't make any sense. And some of these people have like you know, thousands of followers or hundreds of thousands of followers. I'm like, what's the point? They just, people follow you to get a hot take and then you don't even engage in it in any meaningful way. It just makes no sense to me. But they bring up the sovereignty issue. They bring up the sovereignty issue. So here's what I'm going to say. As Christians... We need to be extremely aware of how a comment we make that we don't even give two seconds of thought to can be complete, can lead to absolute theological and biblical confusion in the minds of many people. In other words, you don't even realize that what you've said is going to make other people go, wait, 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 I don't under, I don't understand here. I don't understand. Now, I'm not saying that we, that doesn't mean we can't make the comment. 
I mean, we have to be prepared to give some kind of an answer. And there aren't easy answers in these situations. And you can try your, uh, look, I'm going to get 100 emails from, you know, so-called theologians who all of a sudden think that they, they've resolved this problem. People have been trying to resolve these issues for 2,000 years in church history. And everyone, there, there's some, there's, there's, there's problems with how to understand it. I wish it was an easy answer because I could just say, here's the answer. Here, here you go. Here you go. And, and remember, I've stated this a thousand times, a thousand times. To me, all of my problems, all of my philosophical, theological, all of my issues started early in my Christian life, okay? Because I had I knew enough about I knew about my own life, right? I knew about abuse and all of the horrible things that I endured. I saw horrible other things that people endured. A friend who, who hung himself because of the abuse he was going through. A friend who, well, we were in the bathroom and his father came through, the, tried to come through the bathroom door with an axe because his father was an alcoholic and we were trying to pour the alcohol down the toilet. I, I mean, I've seen some crazy, insane things in my own life and just things that's happened in the world. So I know how I knew how bad the world was. So as soon as I read... These words, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. I've said it so many times, I, because when I read things, I talk to it. I, I speak to it. I'm like, no, 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 no. Don't do it. Don't create anything. It would be better if we were never created. It would make, it would avoid so much pain, so much suffering, so much death. Don't do it. But he did. And I know a couple of things about the God who created. All-powerful, meaning he can do anything he wants. Uh, anything that's not against his nature, obviously, but he can do anything he wants, right? He can do, he's, he has the power. No, nothing can stand against him. Nothing can resist his will. Nothing. He is God. Oh, I also know that he's all-knowing. So before he, before he created, right, so before he created anything, before God said, let there be light, before God created one thing, he knew exactly what was going to happen. He knew all the death. He knew all the pain. He knew all the suffering. He knew how many people would be in hell. He knew it all. But yet he said, let there be light. And I, as, as just a puny creation, just as a, as a puny man who doesn't know everything, doesn't understand everything, from my perspective, I'm like, don't do it. Why would you do this? Why? Why would you do it? Why would you do it? Just don't do it. But he did. And then you read a little bit further into the story, he creates man and, you know, a, a woman and a man and a woman in his own image. Okay. That's pretty awesome. And then all of a sudden, we turn to chapter three and like, now the serpent. Wait, who's the serpent? Where'd the, wait, where'd the serpent come from? How did the serpent get here? And then you start finding, wait, the serpent is being used by Satan and God created Satan. Why? And he knew what Satan was going to do. And then when Satan rebelled, he doesn't destroy Satan. He lets Satan comes to earth. And then he doesn't pro prevent Satan from coming into the garden. He lets him comes into the garden. And then when Eve sins, wait a minute. No, no, no. She should die. Adam should die. Satan should be destroyed. Just stop. Nope. Doesn't stop everything. Allows, well, children to be born, born sinners, and then sin, 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 sin. He floods. He wipes everyone out with a flood. And you're like, but okay, just get rid of, no, get rid of the people on the ark as well. End it. No, 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 no. Let the people on the ark. Oh, wait, now no and his family gets off. And what do they, what do they take off the ark? Their sinful nature and sin shows up. And then you have Horrible things happening from the in the rest of the Bible. You have murder, you have rape, you have incest, you have war. You, I mean, you have scandal, adultery. You have you've got everything. Just sin, more sin, more sin, more sin, more sin, more sin, more failure, more suffering, more pain. And you're like, what is happening? End it, end it. But no, doesn't. But then, God. The eternal son of God, second person of the Trinity, enters into this messed up fallen world to redeem a people, to die, to save a people. 
there's so much of the story that just doesn't make, I, I don't understand why God would do this. And I don't understand why God would do that. I don't understand it, but I can't explain it away. I can't just ignore it. And again, you're, you're, the only other option is if you throw out God, then I'm left with atheism, which doesn't explain anything, right? Well, now I have a hard time even deriving a morality to condemn anything. I, I'm still left with the same pain and suffering. And now there's no rhyme or reason to any of it, okay? At least with God, there's, there, there, God has a purpose in it. I don't understand it. I don't understand it, but he does, and God does it as God is under no obligation to explain it to me or to you. But the, but the God who overturned Roe v. Wade is the same God who allowed it to pass in the first place. And I'm using the word allow. Some the- theologies would go beyond just allow and be, well, it was part of his divine purpose, divine decree. Because he decrees all things that come to pass. He works all things according to his good purpose and will. Now, many will be like, no, no, no. It, that, that was against God's will. So you're saying abortion was against God's will and it took him this many years to get rid of it? Well, no, he didn't want to impose his will on people. Well, well wait a minute. He, so if he overturned it, there's a lot of people's will he just went against. If, if he put Biden in office, that went against a lot of people's will. <laughs> So you you can't say that he does because well, whose will does he when he operates whose will does he go with okay because there's whatever decision he makes it's going to go against someone's will I just think we we have to understand the implications of what we say again I've, I've talked about it so many times it, the same Christians who were like you know what no to no. We're going to no to any and every COVID restriction or suggestion. We're not social distancing. We're not limiting the number of people. We're not wearing a mask. We're not getting vaccinated. We're not doing anything because God is sovereign and I trust God and God and it's faith over fear. Those are the same people who then say, we need armed guards in our churches. We need armed guards at our school and I need four guns in my house to protect me. Well, wait a minute. Where's your faith over? I thought God is sovereign. I thought you trust in a sovereign God. Sometimes we, we say we believe in God's sovereignty and we praise God's sovereignty, but it seems it's only in select situations where we're like, praise be to God, he is sovereign, he works all things according to his good will and pleasure. And then when something goes wrong, we're like, nope, nope, nope. We, we almost like forget that God is sovereign. And that's what that person on Twitter was trying to bring up is we, you don't really believe in God's sovereignty because if you, when you get put to the test, you demonstrate that you don't. Now, the preacher should try to come in and try to... Now, again, I, I don't even get me started. I think Twitter is is a dumpster fire. I think it's garbage. I think... I, yeah. I, you shouldn't probably even try to engage in any theological discussion on Twitter. I mean, anything that limits the number of characters when you're dealing with doctrine, theology, or the Bible is just ridiculous. So all it is is someone throws out a hot take. Every, it, it's, yeah, there's no dialogue. There's no discussion. The whole thing should just be burned to the ground. It, it really... I can't... Not... Not the actual building, but the, the social media itself should just be burned down because it, 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 it's not very beneficial. But I do like the fact that the person raised the question. Well, because it gives me something to, to discuss, but I don't really need that to discuss because we have millions of other things. So how do, how do, we, how do we even try to move forward in, in a situation like this? I think we just have to understand that so many times when we speak of God's sovereignty— we do so almost in a very self-serving way. Like we, we say, when, when, when things go our way, praise be to God, he gets glory. When it doesn't go our way, then we, then we somehow remove God's responsibility and we blame, we blame Satan, we blame, and all, somehow God just, we try to get him off the hook. You, you can't get God off the hook, no matter what you try. You can say, free will. Well, he's the one who gave free will, knowing what was going to happen. So, I mean, that that's still God. And and again, God stepped in over, over and over and over. He stepped in and did things that was not what people wanted. You think the world wanted to all be drowned? No, I don't think so. I mean, we, we can go, example. So, so here, yeah, here, here's what we, I think we need to do. 
Whenever we get ready to say something in regards to God's sovereignty, we have to stop and think of all the implications of what we are saying, right? And we got to be prepared to deal with that. So if I say, look, COVID, not going to do anything about it because God is sovereign. I will get it if I'm going to get it. I'm not going to get it if I don't get to get it. I get it because God is sovereign, faith over fear. Now, the minute you say that, now you got to think of the implications because now that's got to be applied to everything in life. I'm not going to do my annual checkups. I'm not going to get my annual labs because if I get cancer, I get cancer. If I get, if I have high cholesterol and have a heart attack, God is sovereign. I'm not going to do anything. Well, nobody operates that way. So, but you, you, you make one statement and then you contradict that statement in another way of acting. Hey, faith over fear. We're not going to do anything, but everyone needs a gun and we need armed security guards. Oh, wait a minute. Uh, where? where You've got to see when you say things like that, that it contradicts and the world has every right to go, "Mm, you guys make absolutely no sense. And we've got to be willing to go, man, we got to think this through a little bit better. I believe that we have to be careful in what we say and understand the implications and don't get mad when we get called out. It's okay to don't get mad. Don't get defensive. Just say, you know what? Thank you for pointing that out. That You know what? You make a very valid point, and it's one of the most difficult things to understand uh, in, in any form of theism is that there is an eternal, all-powerful, sovereign, all-knowing God, and things don't always go the way we think it should go. And sometimes we want to praise that sovereign God for doing things that we like, and we sometimes try to remove God's responsibility for the things we don't like. And I want to thank you for 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 pointing this out and for challenging us because we don't want to contradict our own our own theology and we don't want to be inconsistent and we don't want to confuse. It's okay to just say it's you know we don't have the answer. I wish I did. I wish I did. I mean I would be I would be I would be able to solve something that's been puzzling Christians forever. I think puzzling forget forget as long as people have been believing in a God, these are questions that have probably puzzled them, and it's been hard for them to understand. Hard for them to understand. I, I can't imagine that Adam and Eve, God is physically you know, speaking to them. And why, why, God, why didn't you prevent our, our son Abel from being killed? Why didn't you, why did, why didn't you do something? Why didn't you... Why didn't you do? I mean, God knew what was, he warned Cain. God knew what was going to happen. He said, well, there's free will. I can't. That, that doesn't answer anything. That doesn't, God's the one who gave the free will. God's the one who knew it was going to happen. God's still responsible. And so when God, God, so in other cases, God stepped in to prevent people from being killed or stepped in to allow Israel to gain victory. He either would step in to protect someone, right? He, like when Sarah, Sarai was, uh, when Abram decided to lie and Sarah was taken, God steps in and protects her. Well, why did he step in and protect Sarai, but did not protect Abel? He seemed to protect Joseph. Why didn't he protect Abel? I mean, there's lots of people he protects. Like it, it's his sovereignty. There, there. We will never quite understand it. So we sometimes we try to give. We think we can come up with some clever explanation, but your explanation just burns up in 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 the face of of these situations. So what we just need to realize when we say something that there's implications to that, and we need to be willing to acknowledge that we don't always have the answer. We need to be humbled by. God's sovereignty, instead of always thinking that we can explain it, because in many cases, it's, it's beyond our, uh, my comprehension. I don't get it. Look, if I, if I was in charge, things would go differently, probably differently bad, but they would go differently, but I'm not God. So I think that's the first thing. We've got to just think about what we're saying and, and the, and the imp, and implications from it. I think, I, think that's, I think that's very important. And number two, and I'm not saying this is easy, and I don't even know how to implement it. But we've got to be better at seeing God's sovereignty in everything, the good and the bad. And I know from a, I know from a lost perspective, 
Like if you're if you're an atheist or an agnostic, that sounds like the most ridiculous, stupid thing you've ever heard in your life. But God is sovereign, even in the in the, and I'm glad the first the, the that first email I read acknowledged God is sovereign over good and evil. I I do admire that. But it still raises questions then, right? Still, it still raises those questions. But we've got to be better. We, we speak up about God's sovereignty and praising him for his actions when things go one way. And we seem silent about God's sovereignty and praising God when things go the wrong way. And I understand there's serious implications when we do that. I understand. I mean, how, how do we... Hey, you know, hey, can you imagine being a pastor in 1970 when Roe v. Wade is, is passed? And you're like, okay, well, God is sovereign. Now, I'm not saying that doesn't mean we, we stand against it and condemn it. I'm not saying that, but we have to see God's sovereignty in it. And I don't know how you, how do you process that? How do you process that even, even when it comes to individual sin? Before long, you can you can get a very fatalistic viewpoint where you're just like, you know what? Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. If someone sins, well, that God ordained it, so it doesn't matter. You can't go there because, you know, the the Bible will speak of God's sovereignty, but yet man's actions are still condemned. We're still responsible. We're still we're still condemned for our actions, even though God is sovereignly involved. But we have to try to see and be more consistent with seeing these situations we don't like as still a part of God's sovereignty, still somehow a part of God's plan. I, I I am praising God for every baby that will be saved. I am praising God for that. And I'm glad for that. And God deserves the glory. But at the same time, I know the God that I'm praising and glorifying for overcoming it was the same God who allowed it to make it from 1973 to 2022. Does he deserve the same praise and glory for that? Well, he deserves praise and glory because of who he is, irregardless of what he does. It's not an easy truth to grasp, is it? Not even close, a very difficult truth to grasp. It's the one, I'm going to pull this up really quick. It's the one that we grasp with, uh, uh, that we have talked about in my church frequently, because some of you know that we hold to the London Baptist Confession of Faith. So I'm just going to pull this up really quick. London Baptist Confession, 1689. I'm going to pull this up. And I'm going to go to, uh, see, Divine Providence. Okay, uh, Okay, here we go. Divine Providence. God, the good creator of all things, in his infinite power and wisdom doth uphold direct, dispose, and govern all creatures and things from the greatest even to the least by his most wise and holy providence to the end for which they were created according unto his infallible knowledge and the free and immutable counsel of his own will to the praise of the glory of his wisdom, power, justice, infinite goodness, and mercy. Although in relation to the foreknowledge and decree of God, the first cause, all things comes to pass immutably and infallibly, so that there is not anything befalls any by chance or without his providence. And you can you can continue to read the rest. That everything works according to his plan. He's in charge of everything. That's good and bad. I cannot, I praise God for the good. 
Oh, I do. Now, praise God for the good, man. When things go great in my life, when things are wonderful, praise God. When blessings come, praise God. When when financial situations get better, praise God. Whatever the case may be, praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God. But man, when things don't go well, when things go wrong, it's not so easy to praise God. So the world has seen us not praise God. This is the way they view it. We didn't seem to praise God when Biden was elected. We didn't seem to praise God when Roe v. Wade got passed. We didn't seem to praise God when all kinds of horrible things happened. But we all of a sudden praise God and give him credit for the good. And so they're like, wait a minute, if God is the one who you're praising for the good, wasn't he, and he has the power to do that, why didn't your God do anything before? And why weren't you praising and glorifying him? And that. Now, of course, you would say, well, we were praising and glorifying God. We just weren't praising and glorifying God in that particular situation. I understand that, but you can see why the world's going to raise that question. And it's a valid, it's a valid question. So we got to be careful what we say and understand its implications. And we have to learn to see God's sovereignty and praise God even when things don't go right. There we go. I had to at least address this because the pastor obviously on on Twitter was not going to address it. And I'm not saying that I have the best answers, but, and I know that all the emails I'm going to get, look, you can, you can send me all the emails you want, newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com, because I don't try to hide behind the microphone or behind a, a Twitter handle. Um, I will try my best to respond. Um, and that's one of the reasons I'm trying to respond to this is I, I try to interact. Um, but just please note that you're going to think so many, I'm going to get emails from people who think, oh, No, he just doesn't understand. I've got the answer. And I want you to know that whatever answer you sent me, I've probably have seen somewhere in theology and all of my study of theology and church history. You didn't come up with a new one. You didn't come up with the answer. And you're going to say, no, the answer is so simple. You're going to be like, you know how many people have tried that answer and it falls completely and utterly apart? You you realize that, right? It's just so weird how many Christians don't realize you do realize that people have been struggling and fighting about this for a very long time. And uh, you didn't just magically create the answer. I wish there was an easy, look, if there was an easy answer, okay, someone go back in time and give it to Job. He didn't get an easy answer, did he? Job's like, hey, God, I got some questions. And God's like, no, I'm not going to answer your questions. Here's my questions. And then Job's like, that's it. Okay. I, I repent. I, I shouldn't speak. I don't know what I'm talking about. And then Job realized, hey, but he's not given an answer. That's what I, that's, that's, when you read Job, we're given a little bit of insight. And for some weird reason, we think that that insight makes the story better. Well, well, see, God wanted to prove a point to Satan. So see, it makes perfect sense. I don't know how you can read that and go, it makes perfect sense. I'm sitting there going, this is twisted and this is messed up. But what I love about it is, if you read it from Job's perspective, he never knows what's going on. He doesn't even understand. That's how it is for you and I. We we don't get to read what's going on behind the scenes. We don't understand what's going on in the throne room of heaven. We just get to live. We see life from this perspective. And all I can know is I don't understand what's going on. And I don't know why this is happening. But God, you're sovereign in the good and the bad. And I got to submit to that sovereignty to some level. Now, I, I'm not, and I'm not saying that we don't obviously try to do things like, man, we need abortion to end. And, and man, we, I wish this wasn't happening. And we need to try to stop human trafficking. And we need to try to stop sexual abuse of, of minors. There's all kinds of things we need to preach and stand against. But, but at the same time, we have to acknowledge God is sovereign in this. And I don't always understand why he's not using his sovereign his sovereignty his power to stop or make something change all right you can email me newsif at yahoo.com sorry that i took up 58 minutes of your morning but it had to be discussed it had to be discussed i will be doing trying to do a, a couple of live broadcasts today obviously we have to get to the next uh, our 30 days and 30 scriptures uh, or 30 scriptures in 30 days. We, we've got to get to that. Um, but I'm in a weird place today. I got to keep driving to someone's house every couple of hours to uh, take care of their dog, to let their dog out. I wanted to bring the dog here, but the dog is like, 
hyperactive cray cray. It's just, he would, I wouldn't be able to do anything today. And I've got sermons to prepare and I've got uh, recordings to do. And so I've got to, I've got to go there multiple times. Then this evening I have an event I'll be going to. So I'll be there. So, um, so who knows? I'm going to, I'm going to record every, in between my trips <laughs> to see Poe. The name of the dog is Poe after Eg- Edgar Allan Poe. Um, I'm going to go see Poe and Poe is crazy. So um, I'm going to try to take care of that dog. In the meantime, try to do recording. So if you are looking for live broadcast today, I'll do what I can, but it, it'll probably be, I'm going to be limited to some level, which, um, but at least, at least uh, having the dog over at the other house, I, I can do what I can. So that's what I'm going to be doing today. So I apologize if you don't get as many live broadcasts as you want. But after this one, many of you probably don't want any more, and I understand, but we had to ask these questions and bring this up. So I don't want anyone to misunderstand. I'm glad Roe v. Wade has been overturned because I want babies to live. I praise God for that. But at the same time, I'm willing to acknowledge the theological implications of saying God sovereignly overturned Roe v. Wade because there's, a doubt, uh, there's an opposite side to that. And people are going to raise those questions. And I don't get mad at people for raising those questions. They have to be raised. And we as Christians, we can't just say, you don't know what you're talking about. We have to say, hmm. Thank you for bringing that up. And we'll do our very best to discuss it. And I did my very best. So thank you. Everyone have a great day. God bless.